Hello and welcome back to Global Zam Podcast. My name is Ariel Laverdi. In today's episode, we have an exclusive interview with the England national team head coach, Gareth Southgate. Myself and Sina Simeon, on behalf of Golbazan, were kindly invited to the England national team training complex, St. George's Park, for an international media day hosted by the English FA. Big shout out to Andy Walker, the FA's media officer, for setting up. We were given a tour of the facility and had the opportunity to interview Gareth Southgate, which we are very thankful for. If you're listening to this episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. There is a video version available on our YouTube channel. Unfortunately, the microphone we used on the day didn't work, so the audio isn't the best as it's coming from the camera. However, our editor Samson has worked very hard to fix any audio issues the best he possibly could. Otherwise, thanks for clicking on this and hope you enjoyed the interview. Gareth, good to have you here. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Um, obviously, uh, you were at the game against Senegal for Iran. Uh, Carlos Kier's background Do you think that changes anything for you from a preparation standpoint uh, going into the World Cup? Considering those things I mentioned before, do you think you're going to change anything going into the World Cup? Well, we we um, some of that is still to be seen because obviously Carlos had a few days with the team, um, and you could see some changes within what they were doing. Um, there obviously isn't a lot of time for any of the coaches to work now ahead of the tournament where I think we're going to have one more game, uh, possibly, as I'm coming up. Um, so, but for us, it was important to be able to see the team play. You don't often get the chance to go and watch other international teams because we're playing at a similar time. And especially with the change of coach, but obviously we also look back to Russia, and how the team played in Russia, some of the preferences Carlos might have had over the years as a coach as well. Um, obviously, it was a tough camp for you guys in one before you didn't win. But overall, I think you've not had a win since March, if I'm not mistaken. It's been difficult results for a very long time. Do you think that um, the importance of, of winning uh, is going to be important? Because obviously, when you go to the World Cup, you've got to, you've got to get a win. Do you think the players are going to be under pressure, do you think you'll be under pressure that you have to get a win considering that the Rhinos had two good performances in the World Cup? That win is going to be really important for you guys? And I think that's always the case with, uh, with tournaments and first game and with so much emphasis on it anyway. Yeah. Um, we were the same in Russia, we were playing Tunisia in the first game. It was a really difficult game for us. We, we ended up scoring you know, stoppage time really. Uh, or just, just before the end of the game. So um, we know it's a really tough first fixture for us and um, it's yeah, there'll be a different view of that from the fans and they look at England and they expect us to beat everybody. But we know that around USA Wales is actually it's the strongest group in terms of rankings and, and uh, across the four teams. So, um, But we've got belief in ourselves. We haven't had a good run of results. But we also know what we're capable of, and having been to a semi-final and the final, we, we want to approach this tournament as we did the previous ones, where it's a chance to take our country on an enjoyable journey with with the opportunity to create some moments of football that will live with people forever. Yeah. Um, Carlos Queiroz has come back now, and it's likely he'll bring back some of the presence before, so obviously. 
players like Ronald or Young as an example. Do you think that for yourself, um, you've had, you've shown loyalty to some of your players in the past? Do you think that that factors into your choice as a coach, you know, picking a squad, picking players that are more important to you from a loyalty standpoint, or does form factor into it as well? It's interesting because people always talk about uh, loyalty, but it's only because players have played well. Yeah. So, um, you know, we don't have favourites. Our favourites are the ones that play well and are professional and do the right things. Um, and um, yes, but we will have some, we've got some challenges at the moment that some players that have played a lot for us perhaps aren't playing as regularly with their clubs. So are they going to be physically ready to play every game in a tournament, for example? Some of those things are going to emerge over the next few weeks when, they, when we're following Premier League and European matches and we'll have a better view of exactly where people might be at that point. Um, you might be aware that obviously uh, on uh, last month there was a bunch of Massa Amini from the Maratha police, so it was in Iran. This sparked uh, wide protests across the country and of course Rome as well. Obviously you saw it in the Senegal game. Uh, been very vocal in the past years regarding football's responsibility to highlight these issues um, and obviously players voicing their concerns and their opinions on it. Uh, how important do you think footballers, is it for footballers to acknowledge and support um, these wider issues and do you think that you'll encourage even the fans to, to get behind uh, the game, you know, to help with the Iranian fans to support this, this cause in, in the World Cup as well? Yeah, I think there's a balance. Um, you know, our, our first job is to create a good football team. And with our national team, there's always the opportunity to affect things beyond uh, football. Now, when that's been a situation that's directly affected us, for example, experiences of racism as a team. We've got a lot of players from different heritage backgrounds um, who've had tough journeys in their lives and we've been able to speak about those things authentically and be able to make a difference. Then there are other things that politically are more complicated, more difficult. You have to be very clear on the types of messages. So again, with Tournament being in Qatar, we've had to try to do a lot of research, be really clear on what we might be able to affect, what we might not be able to affect, what areas of government's dealing with. What's, you know, it's, I can't. I have a responsibility as a national manager. I can't just stand and speak and not think about the consequences of the position I hold. So I, we're always assessing all of those things and um, where where we can make a difference, we'd like to and. Where we're, we're not as fully informed, or there are cultural differences, we also recognise that we've got to be respectful of other countries and cultural differences, religious differences as well. Um, so it, it, it is complicated, and I'm not a university educated uh, yeah. guy. I'm a, I'm a guy that left school at 16 and is trying his best to help uh, where I can. In terms of the, the World Cup, obviously. Kirill just said that, in his view, uh, 
bigger teams have an advantage in terms of the schedule um, because smaller teams need more time to, to prepare, uh, to have a good preparation uh, compared to bigger teams. Uh, do you think, do you, do you agree with that? Do you think you have an advantage or do you think that uh, England are impacted by the schedule with this World Cup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand point. I would say that all teams would like more preparation time, really, all coaches, because the Premier League will finish Saturday, Sunday. We will have Monday to report, Tuesday to travel, so only really at best four days on the training ground to prepare for our first match. And ahead um, of Russia, we have most of the month, so it's a big difference. There's also a concern around the number of matches now between now the tournament. That's out of our control and how many players might we lose. But look, I think most teams are facing those difficulties and um, we've all got to adapt and accept that this is different and we've got to try and make the, and make the best possible case for them. Obviously, all the teams that would be have had difficulties in the World Cup. It's been hard for everyone for various reasons. Do you think that as a result, there's more chance of a surprise happening in this group? I think the whole tournament is really hard to predict because so many of the countries have had disjointed preparations, players missing, difficult results, negativity around the teams. So I, I, I do agree. I think it, um, you know, the potential for upsets, the potential for uh, unexpected results. It's, it does feel quite hard, um, but we'll only know when, when we all get there. Um, what what are England's objectives as well? What do you want to achieve with this team? Yeah, when the, the last two tournaments we've been to, we've talked about when we come back from the tournament, we want the country to be proud of what we've done, and they're not going to be proud unless we win some matches. So. So first and foremost, we have to do that. Um, but there's a lot more to how we play and how we are and how we, we connect with our public as well. So I, I never like to say um, to make the final, the semi-final, the final, whatever it might be. It's obvious we want, we want to go there to win. There's no point in thinking any differently. Um, but what, what would be... Uh, the objective, yeah, that our fans go on another brilliant experience. The last two tournaments have been fantastic. That hasn't always been the case. I've travelled to World Cups and I haven't been a player or a coach and seen fans on planes flying to venues and the carnival of it all. And sometimes you miss out on that with the guys in the camp. And what I saw was what it means to the fans to celebrate the wins and to, to be part of this football uh, experience. So we, we want them to have that. We want to go win some matches and uh, come home and they're proud of the team. There's been a lot of eyes on this kind of group, obviously, massive England, USA, Wales, you know, obviously. England playing Wales, Iran playing USA, it's all lots of storylines in the media. Do you think? That puts pressure on the president. How do you think the president cope with that at the World Cup? What, what would you tell them to do? Well, in the end, pressure is what we decide. Yeah. Um, because the, the biggest pressure is your voice, really, in your head. The narratives around certain games 
do throw up great stories and Wales, England, um, I, I don't think there's been a, an old British game in, in, with England involved in a, in a World Cup before. So um, yeah, that is going to create a lot of headlines and a lot of excitement and drama over here. Um, but it is just another game of football and we've got to be better than them and defend better and attack better and deal with the occasions. And uh, in the end, that mindset is, is key. There's always got to be pressure on the team. We have to deal with it. Thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate it. All the best. Thanks again to the English FA and Gareth Southgate for their time and hospitality. We thoroughly enjoyed the experience. Hope you enjoyed the interview and stay tuned for more exclusive interviews coming soon. Subscribe to us on YouTube and all other podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at Golbazan. Check out our website, golbazanpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and take care. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray from ESPN and EA Sports. You're listening to Gold Bazan Podcast.